From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, President Biden's military leaders were before the Senate Armed Services Committee today answering a myriad of questions about the bungled pullout from Afghanistan, as well as their interviews with reporters and authors. We'll get an update from Christina Wong, national security reporter for Breitbart. Also, General Jerry Boykin is here with his take on the discrepancies between what the Pentagon leaders said and what President Biden has claimed. And speaking of President Biden, yesterday he responded to a question on what percentage of Americans need to be vaccinated for America to go back to normal. For more than two months. I think we get the vast majority, like is going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 97, 98%. I think we're going to walk close. And, uh, but I'm not the scientist. Uh, uh, I think, but one thing for certain, a quarter of the country can't go on back. Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey is here with the latest on the mandate and the comments by Dr. Fauci that vaccine passports could be coming for domestic airline travel. And last night, the Democrats failed in an attempt to pass a continuing resolution to fund the federal government because it contained a limitless raise of the debt ceiling. For more than two months now, Senate Republicans have been completely clear about how this process will play out. So let me make it abundantly clear one more time. We will support a clean, continuing resolution that will prevent a government shutdown. That was Republican leader Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor. Will the Congress make the Friday shutdown deadline? We'll talk with Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri, the ranking member on the House Budget Committee. And yesterday, the FBI released their annual crime statistics, which suggests the defund the police movement may have had deadly consequences for many cities in America. We'll talk about it with the former mayor of Cincinnati and now senior fellow for human rights and constitutional governance, Ken Blackwell. And finally, while overshadowed by the cascading crises of the Biden administration, special counsel for the Trump-Russia collusion, John Durham, recently issued an indictment for a Democratic lawyer connected to Hillary Clinton's campaign. What does this mean? Is there more to come? We'll talk about it with Andrew McCarthy later here on Washington Watch. Let me remind you, mark your calendars. October the 6th through the 8th, we'll have the first Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. The, uh, it'll be ha- uh, hosted at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. To find out more about how you can be a part of it, go to Pray, Vote, Stand. Well, today uh, was supposed to be a day of reckoning for Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley. Both of them had many questions uh, thrown at them that they had to answer in a very short time. Uh, and uh, General Milley asked, uh, was answered, uh, answered for uh, revelations about his actions from Bob Woodward and Robert Costa in their book, Peril, released just a week ago. Milley even continued uh, to, uh, even confirmed he also interviewed for two more salacious tell-alls about the Trump administration. Clearly, uh, he was on the defenses. Joining us now with more of what took place on Capitol Hill today is Christina Wong, national security reporter for Breitbart News. Christina, welcome to Washington Watch. Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on. 
All right. In, in your view, as you covered today's hearing, what was uh, the most significant revelation that came forth from today's hearing? I think the top thing that came forth was that the Republican senators essentially forced the military leaders to split with Biden to say that they had told him that they that they recommended 2,500 troops to be left in Afghanistan. Otherwise, you would see the collapse that we saw. Um, and you, so you had uh, General Milley, who is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You had General McKenzie, who is the commander of uh, U.S. CENTCOM. And then we have the previous testimony from the former commander of Afghanistan, uh, General Scott Miller, uh, so the testimony today was that all of them had recommended to President Biden that he leave 2,500 troops in Afghanistan, and President Biden did not follow their recommendations, and we all saw uh, the disaster that unfolded in Afghanistan. So I think that was the top line. Uh, secondly, a huge revelation was that uh, General Mark Milley spoke to at least um, spoke for at least three books. Uh, so he spoke to the, the authors, uh, about three or four journalists uh, who wrote those books. Uh, you know, he, he essentially sat down for interviews while while still being uh, active duty. And, and that's very um, unusual for a general and uh, a military leader. Uh, Christina, I thought the exchange, I think it was between him and uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, where, you know, she basically said, you have all this time to sit down and, uh, and interview for these books while everything is unfolding in Afghanistan. Uh, in fact, uh, I think her quote was something along the lines that uh, you may be remembered as the three that broke the military. Yeah, it's highly unusual. I mean, uh, the military members of the military are not supposed to talk to um, you know reporters in, in general, and, and are not supposed to leak. But here you have the top military officer openly, you know, admitting to speaking to you know journalists and and leaking uh, sensitive conversations with with uh, his Chinese counterpart, um, which he did not deny, by the way. So so Milley did not deny any of the shocking allegations in these books that, you know, he believed uh, he was facing a Reichstag moment and all these very unflattering things about President Trump. He did, did not deny any of them. And it's a uh, it's clear evidence of politicization of our military. We used to have generals who would try not to weigh in on politics, but here you have the exact opposite. So I agree with uh, Senator Blackburn about, you know, these might be, you know, the generals that bring down the military. Uh, Christine, a final question for you. Uh, they make the move today or tomorrow. They walk across to the other side of the Capitol to the House. They'll be in the House Armed Services Committee tomorrow. What do you expect to see tomorrow? Oh, boy, it's going to be fun um, because you have a, you have a different uh, decorum, uh, I would say, from the Senate and the House. So I think you're going to see some real grilling, um, you know, even more so than today on uh you know, General Milley and Austin uh, and and just the disaster that unfolded that, that we all saw in Afghanistan. Um, and, you know, what's going to happen with uh, Afghan refugees here in the U.S.? You know, there are reports of, uh, you know, there are reports of assaults at some bases where the Afghan refugees are held at. So there's a lot more ground to cover uh, with with this with this topic. 
Christina Wong, I want to thank you for joining us. As always, great to talk with you, and I agree with you. I think tomorrow is going to be uh, even more uh, rambunctious <laughs> as they go to the House. That's a great word, yes. <laughs> right. uh, Christina Wong with uh, Breitbart. She's their national security reporter. Turning now to our own expert, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council. General, uh, your thoughts on the hearing today? Well, I agree with everything Christina said, Tony. And I think there's another very important uh, thing here, though, that did come out today, and that is that General Scott Miller uh, did tell uh, the chief of, I mean, the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs that the Taliban's, I mean, that the uh, Afghan army might collapse much quicker right. than had previously uh, been, I think, uh, forecast. And uh, that information, in fact, uh, went to the president. And he, he obviously didn't uh, remember that. So what I took away from today's hearings is when he said it was there was a unanimous consent here. Did anybody object? Did anybody have a different opinion? And he said, I don't recall. Let me let me play this clip. Uh, this is a clip, clip number nine. This is uh, the president being interviewed by George Stephanopoulos about this very right. thing. Clip number nine, please. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. So the three uh, generals, well, the two generals, Secretary of State that testified today all said that uh, they didn't give the president that advice. So if they're split, who else would have been in the room advising the president? Nobody. I mean, I, I don't know who else could have been there. Jake Sullivan, I'm sure, was, was in the room. But uh, look, this is problematic either way. Either the president is lying or he actually doesn't recall, which is even maybe more frightening, that he doesn't remember something that important, that he got uh, the advice that he got from his senior military advisors. Uh, that's, that's frightening. And, and it makes you wonder, uh, really, about the veracity of the claims that he is, uh, he's, he's struggling with uh, cognitive problems. What else in today's hearing uh, struck you? Yeah. The other thing that struck me, though, was uh, Marsha Blackburn, when she, when she dug into uh, Millie today about what he actually said to, uh, to the Chinese leader that he talked to. And, and, and there were a couple of others that asked him the same questions. What did he say? And he admitted that he basically said, if, if there, we're going to attack, if there's going to be a war, I will call you. Well, somebody's got to take that and use that as a start point for a major investigation, I believe, in terms of whether he has violated uh, either federal statute or military regulations. Because I will just say this, and, and, and this sounds extreme, but... I've looked at the definition of treason, and it is providing, among other things, it's providing aid or comfort 
to the enemy. Right now, China is an enemy. And if, if we had declared uh, some kind of conflict or if the president had made a decision that he was going to launch some kind of attack, which he was never even close to, but that would have made them a legitimate en enemy. He, and this guy had promised to call them and tell them. Right. He was pressed on it. He was pressed uh, by another member saying, well, do you think your Chinese counterpart will advise you when they're moving to invade Taiwan? Uh, and then also Senator Josh Hawley asked for them to uh, resign there at the hearing today based upon. Well, he wasn't the only one. Yeah. Um, they were, it was recommended by a number of people there that they resign. What was the most damaging piece of information that came forth today for this administration? Yeah, I think it was the fact that uh, the recommendations from his military advisors that he ignored. And, uh, and, and by the way, they didn't question them about it, but they were, the Secretary of State gave them the same recommendation. Yeah. And I think that that uh, means that somebody else is advising him. Yeah. Either that or he is... He is uh, the worst foreign policy president in history. I mean, it's certainly not to say that the president could, at the end of the day, disagree with his military leaders and go a different they course. That's his, that's his prerogative. But with the disastrous outcome of this, the buck stops then with Joe Biden. Stop and think about the fact that he had, he had his military advisors and his Department of State that were advising him not to do this. It was not only don't withdraw all the troops. It was don't do this evacuation the way you're planning to do it. Don't yeah. force us to close Bagram. Right. Don't ask us to secure Kabul Airport and get people out. We got to leave it there, General. Folks, we'll be back after this. Don't go away. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and the truth of God's Word, we've launched Pray Vote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. 
Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia from October 6th through the 8th for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808. More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org subscriptions. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home, it's all archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. And again, mark your calendars, October the 6th through the 8th, the inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. It'll be at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia, which has become the epicenter of the battle over education and the indoctrination that's taking place in the classrooms. To find out more how you can be a part of it, Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, as we mentioned yesterday, the president getting a, his uh, third shot, a booster for his vaccine. Of course, uh, he, he uh, touting those uh, vaccine mandates that he's putting out there. He was asked by a reporter, at what point does, uh, does he think we can return back to normal? Play that uh, clip again of the president yesterday. I think we get... The vast majority, like it's going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 97, 98%. I think we're going awful close. And, uh, but I'm not the scientist. Uh, uh, I think, but one thing for certain, a quarter of the country can't go unvaccinated. Well, joining me now to discuss this, as well as the prospects of a passport, a vaccine passport for domestic air travel, is Congressman Thomas Massey. He's a member of the House Transportation Committee, which has oversight of issues related to the airlines and air travel. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on, Tony. So in order to get to 98, 97 percent of the population being vaccinated and not taking into account natural immunity, which probably at least a quarter, if not more, of the American public currently has, you're going to have to have some very significant mandates in order to get to that level. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And by the way, Joe Biden knows that he can't constitutionally or legally force people to take a needle and chemicals into their bodies. So he thinks if he inserts the Department of Labor and your employer between him and you, that that somehow makes it legal or constitutional. That is not the case. I'm hoping it gets shut down and shot down in the courts. But we have a problem. He hasn't written the rules. The Department of Labor hasn't written the rules yet. So nobody has standing to sue him and get an injunction. And I'm afraid what's happening is companies are just going ahead and complying because they don't want to be caught 
flat-footed when the rules come out. And, and so I think it's a bit of a bluff on his part. Um, with regards to the you know, transportation aspect of that, this, this is another place where they've, the government, the big government has gotten into our lives. They've got the TSA at all the airports, so they've got the checkpoints, unlike the Department of Labor, which is going to re require snitches at work, the TSA can stop you right there. It would require, think about this, Tony, some sort of database, because surely they're not going to let you carry a paper card around to verify your, your vaccine status. So it would have a database, it would have all of that, and Dr. Fauci says he supports it. This is why in our most recent transportation committee markup of the transportation and infrastructure bill that's working its way through Congress, I offered an amendment that would prohibit the funding for in enforcement or implementation of vaccine passports for travel either privately or publicly by air or by boat or by car, by any means in the United States. And it may not shock you to find out every Democrat in that committee voted against my amendment, therefore voting for vaccine passports. And I wasn't able to stop it there. Uh, any chance that uh, that may find life in the Senate? Um, there's a good chance. But what's what's most likely, Tony, is that the Senate and the House just won't weigh in. You know, I had to fight tooth and nail to even get a vote on this. If I were to offer it on the floor of the House, I couldn't get a vote. It's only because I'm on the Transportation Committee that I was able to force a vote on this in the committee. I don't know that they can force a vote on it in the Senate. And um, so what would probably happen, and this is dangerous, we're, we're not supposed to be a, a nation of men. We're supposed to be a nation of laws. But Joe Biden would probably just promulgate this through the TSA without uh, legislation. And so, you know, the, the strongest force in Congress is to do nothing, is inertia, which means objects at rest stay at rest. So probably the Senate won't stop it either. So, so Congressman Massey, that raises a good question. When you talk about uh, TSA, you know, checking, having a database to be able to see if you're vaccinated. I mean, as a parent with five children, uh, you know, when a child reaches a certain age, uh, I think it's 16, I, I can't even get their uh, their health care records from their doctor. I'm prohibited from, from being able to see what they're doing because of the regulations over the privacy of health care. That's my own children. How is it that, that a restaurant or an airline uh, or TSA can ask me whether or not I have a vaccination? Well, they shouldn't be able to. You know, this used to be sacrosanct. We have HIPAA laws. But now employees are being required to wear lanyards at work of a different color if they're not vaccinated, thereby advertising their vaccine status, not just to their boss or the human resources department, but to all the other employees in the company. That seems to me to be illegal, if not just outright unconstitutional and immoral to require these kind of disclosures about our health status. I mean, certainly we're going to see we're already seeing lawsuits at the state level, as as you pointed out, the Department of Labor has not yet issued the rules on how they're going to enforce this mandate and what it's going to look like. Uh, but I would think that it's not going to be long until there's going to be a number of lawyers knocking on the door of uh, various courts suing the Biden administration. Well, I would hope so. I think that's why he's got his uh, legislation sort of in the undead region or the unformulated region. 
it's not legislation, it's an executive order, it's just not been written. As you know, and I'm sure you've reported on this, Tony, our own governor in Kentucky sent state troopers out to write down license plates of churchgoers. He, uh, this was last year when he said you can't go to church, you can't have large gatherings. He literally sent out the state troopers to take down these license plate numbers. And uh, our governor tried to do a lot of things. He was shut down in the courts. Right. So we're, we're seeing the tide turn a little bit in the courts. We're seeing some victories there, and I'm, I'm hopeful about that. But I'd like to say I'm hopeful about Congress. But as long as we're in the minority, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, you're right. Uh, Congressman Massey, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to talk with you. Thank you for standing for, for liberty and the family, Tony. All right. Thank you. Well, I tell you what, in Massachusetts, they may have difficulty sending the troopers out because a lot of them are resigning over a vaccine mandate. We're going to talk about that later with uh, Ken Blackwell. But coming up next, the uh, the Congress. Could we be hitting a financial midnight? That's coming up uh, Friday morning. Unless there is a uh, continuing resolution, the lights could go off. What does that mean? We're going to be talking next with Congressman Jason Smith about uh, what the prospects of a continuing resolution passing this week before the deadline hits. Don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch right after this. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, last night uh, in the Senate, there was a vote to push through a, a continuing resolution. That's a temporary measure that will keep funding government. But, but uh, tucked into this continuing resolution, 
was a limitless ceiling uh, or debt reduction ceiling lift. So they're lifting the ceiling on the amount of debt, which uh, currently stands, I think it's, uh, did I say $28 trillion, uh, maybe a little bit more? And um, so the Republicans said no. In fact, this is what uh, the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, had to say yesterday on the Senate floor. For more than two months now, Senate Republicans have been completely clear about how this process will play out. So let me make it abundantly clear one more time. We will support a clean continuing resolution that will prevent a government shutdown, get disaster relief to Louisiana, help properly vetted Afghan refugees who put themselves on the line for America and support the Iron Dome assistance for our ally, Israel. We will not provide Republican votes for raising the debt limit. As we speak, Democrats are behind closed doors assembling a multi-trillion dollar reckless taxing and spending spree. There's no chance Republicans will help lift Democrats' credit limit so they can immediately steamroll through a socialist binge that will hurt families and help China. Again, that was Senate, Senate uh, Republican leader Mitch McConnell uh, yesterday. And, and uh, maybe at the beginning of the program, the national debt was $28 trillion. Now it's almost $29 trillion. Well, joining me now is uh, someone who's certainly uh, very knowledgeable about what is happening on Capitol Hill as it pertains to our financial situation. Congressman Jason Smith, he is the ranking member on the House Budget Committee, and he joins me now. Congressman Smith, welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you, Tony. All right. So what's the latest on these uh, negotiations over the continuing resolution and the debt ceiling? You know, Tony, we're almost 50 hours from a government shutdown, and there has not been one uh, funding appropriations bill that's passed out of the House and the Senate and sent to the president because the Democrats have been more focused on other funding bills, such as the $3.5 trillion reconciliation package or the so-called infrastructure package. And so Mitch McConnell has made it very clear that he will support uh, a clean CR for a couple weeks. What it looks like right now is that there is going to be a clean CR that will be passed um, with with those items that Mitch McConnell suggested that will last until about mid-October. And that's also an important date to remember, Tony, because Secretary Yellen today came out with a letter saying that our, um, our debt limit will last until about October 18th. And, and over the weekend, you know, Nancy Pelosi called for marking up of this three and a half trillion dollar reconciliation bill, which the House Budget Committee, which I'm over, found that it's actually four point three trillion dollars right now. And before that hearing started, I actually moved to postpone the hearing until Monday so that the the chairman of the budget committee could could amend the fiscal year twenty two budget resolution so that they could handle the debt limit themselves. They're the ones doing all the spending. This is an avenue that they can address the debt limit themselves. 
You know, Congressman Vince, you make a really, really good point that I've not heard many people talk about as we, you know, looking at this infrastructure bill 1.5 and then the human infrastructure, which, you know, it was 3.5. Now it's, as you said, 4.3. That's been done, but they haven't done the regular spending bills. So all of the, uh, the, the normal business that they should be taking care of, they've neglected. And now at the 11th hour, they want to rush through this CR with this other stuff attached to it because they ha- they've been worried about getting through their Christmas tree appropriations bills. That is, uh, you know, a gift to everyone on the left. Tony, this date hasn't changed. Everyone knew that the fiscal year in September 30th, and they have been more focused on delivering to their political friends, allies, and donors by this huge reconciliation bill. This $4.3 trillion bill that passed out of the House Budget Committee Saturday night at 10 o'clock is the largest spending bill in the history of the United States. It's also the largest tax increase in the history of the United States. Our country is facing the highest inflation since 1981. That means every person in America is having to pay more to put food on their table, clothes on their backs, and gasolines in their car. This package will only make that worse. The tax increases within this package, President Biden said that he would not raise taxes on people making less than $400,000. This package is, is false. It raises taxes on people less that, that, that has an income less than $400,000. But what it does for the wealthy in this package, Tony, is crazy. It actually allows people who make up to $800,000 a year to get huge tax credits for luxury electric vehicles. It actually provides tax credits for electric bikes. It provides taxpayer-funded paid family leave for people who make a half a million dollars a year. Plus, it forces tax-funded abortions. It forces tax-funded abortions. It's an awful piece of legislation, including amnesty for 10 million illegals. Uh, Congressman, we're out of time, but very quickly, will it pass at the end of the day? Is this going to pass? We're trying to save America, and to save America, it's to kill the bill. We're doing everything we can to stop this horrible spending bill. Well, we're grateful for it. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us. Folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, a, a historic rise in the murder rate. Former Cincinnati Mayor Ken Blackwell is here. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12- to 15-week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? 
Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. It's Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and download the Stand Firm app. That way you will not only be able to listen to Washington Watch no matter where you are, but you'll also have activism at your fingertips. We'll let you know what you need to do, when you need to do it, how to do it. So download the Stand Firm app. All right, yesterday the FBI released uh, crime statistics. Uh, this uh, was the uh, from 2020, and what they showed and in these uh, statistics was that murder rose nearly 30% nationwide last year the biggest one-year increase on record since they have kept these statistics. What's behind it? Well, joining me now to discuss this is FRC Senior Fellow for Human Rights and Constitutional Governance and the former mayor of the Queen City, Cincinnati. Ken Blackwell, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be with you. All right. Uh, so there's a lot of explanations out there. Oh, it was COVID. Uh, it was people not being able to work. It was the shutdowns. It was uh, increase of uh, gun sales. So what's really behind this in the year of the defund police? <laughs> well, you, you nailed it. Uh, it's an attitude by um, many uh, on the left uh, and far too many uh, in the middle where we've become lax around the responsibility of our various levels of government to provide something that's very basic, and that is personal safety. You know, the, the reality is we, we know uh, that capital is a coward and that capital seeks the path of least resistance, the greatest opportunity. Uh, and so when you talk about defunding the police, when you abandon your citizens, you know, in what has become not fields of dreams but killing fields, uh, what you what you get is a flight of capital. You get a flight of jobs. You 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 see these cities becoming poorer and less safe, uh, and a, a lot of it can be traced back to uh, open borders. Yeah, you know every town now under Joe Biden, under this left leaning 
administration is a border town. Yeah. Every town. Well, and I've seen it. I, I've tra- In fact, this summer, uh, August, I hit like 15 states traveling on the road and, and saw a lot of these uh, encampments uh, that were popping up where people in these sanctuary cities and in and, uh, and some not sanctuary cities, but people afraid to do anything about it. So you had these encampments everywhere. So look at the, this is on the heels of the uh, George Floyd killing and the, the rioting that took place in the cities, the burning, the looting. And then, of course, the attacking of police, the, the calls to defund police. In fact, many cities did defund the police. And, you know, as a former police officer, I still have interaction with uh, law enforcement officers. And a lot of them were looking for the exit. Uh, they were saying, look, the administrations don't have my back. Uh, it's risky out here. It's dangerous. The public's turned against us. So they backed off on their aggressive policing. Should we be surprised that we've seen this 30 percent increase in murders? No, we, we really shouldn't. Uh, there are a couple of things. One, uh, the, the lack of uh, community-based policing because the police are under attack. Secondly, uh, we, we've become a culture. We are at risk of becoming a culture where life is considered just as uh, like a candy wrapper that you can just crush it and throw it away. And that's why we've been on the front lines uh, in the in the pro-life movement saying that, you know, human dignity and life is in, in, important and we must protect it, you know, uh, in the womb. And, 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 and when you see this, these, these forces on the left that are pushing for abortion on demand, challenging uh, at every move, those, those efforts to reduce abortion, it, 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 culture right. picks up. It, life becomes less uh, important. And, and so folks in desperation, folks who, who, who have no sense of uh, value of life, will take life. Yeah, I think that you, you bring up a really good point where you have this convergence of this devaluing of human life that really we haven't seen the full impact of, although we've steadily seen crime and, and murder go up in the country, but we've had a police presence to keep it in check. But then in this last year and a half with this move or two years to defund the police and this anti-police movement where police have either retired, backed off, departments are losing people, you no longer have that opposing uh, force or barrier to keep that uh, anti-life element in check. And I would also suggest that what we see happening in cities now mandating law enforcement officers to receive this vaccination. We just saw there's a report from uh, the union of the state police in Massachusetts saying that dozens are going to resign there rather than get the vaccine. I mean, we could see worse numbers last year uh, in, in this next year because they're already continuing to rise in 2021. Right. And you're going to see the same sort of resistance to this this heavy-handed government mandate among health uh, workers, particularly at the nursing uh, level. And so at a time when we're seeing a, a tick up uh, in um, uh, cases, we, are, in fact, are seeing a, a thinning out of our, the labor force uh, on the front lines in our hospitals and on our streets. Will the administration recognize that and do a course correction? I doubt it. Look, Tony, uh, people think it's sometimes overreach, but Biden is a captive. He's not leading this. He's 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 a he's a hand puppet uh, of the leftists that are surrounding. 
uh, and as a consequence of their efforts to uh, move us more and more towards, you know, a, a status form of government where you have these authoritarian and uh, totalitarian practices, you're going to see uh, more and more people saying, uh, I, I feel more concerned about my liberty, my freedom, than I do about that job that you want me to do uh, against my will. I, this, this, is, this is a crisis. This is a serious crisis, and the question is, you know, will Biden wake up, uh, will the people around him wake up and understand that uh, we're on a course of, uh, uh, of, you know, a crashing course? How significant is this moment in American history when it comes to those fundamental freedoms? I think it's, it's, it's we're at a turning point. In 245 years, uh, this is one of those points where uh, the the definition of American freedom and, uh, and American exceptionalism is, is, is on the table and at risk of being lost. Reagan used to always say that our freedom was just a generation away. It is upon us now. Now is the time to speak up, stand up, uh, and pray up and fight up. Uh, absolutely. Ken Blackwell, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, stopping by. Tony, good to be with you. All right. Uh, Ken Blackwell, Senior Fellow for Constitutional Governance and Human Rights here at the, uh, the Family Research Council. All right. Uh, President Trump may no longer be in office, but the Department of Justice Special Counsel appointed by his administration to investigate the origins of the Trump-Russia collusion. Remember that? Remember that bogus theory that uh, continues to live on? Well, earlier this month, in fact, about 10 days ago, uh, John Durham, who was the special counsel, secured an indictment against Michael Sussman. He is a prominent Democratic cybersecurity attorney who was linked to a 2016 contract uh, that had uh, connections with the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, joining us now to talk about what this may mean is uh, Andy McCarthy, former chief assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Andy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, great to be with you. So, Andy, this is a kind of a complicated story. So if you would unpack this for our listeners. Well, maybe the best thing is to go to the bottom line, because when you get an indictment, uh, you know, there's two things going on. One is the charge that's brought in the case, and the other is the broader narrative that the, the charge has been placed into. And I think here the narrative is more important. What Durham, who is the special counsel of Bill Barr as attorney general under President Trump, um, what he has charged Michael Sussman with is a single count of making a false statement to the FBI. But more importantly, that count, which can usually be written in just a single paragraph, comes at the end of a 27-page narrative, uh, the upshot of which is that Durham seems to be operating from a theory that the Trump-Russia collusion farce was completely manufactured by the Clinton campaign and from the campaign's operatives, which include its lawyers, the people at Fusion GPS, this uh, research outfit who hired uh, the former British spy Christopher Steele to crank out that bogus Steele dossier, uh, and 
uh, you know, other operatives who were working for the Clinton campaign, they peddled this narrative to the FBI, to the media, and that really was all there was to it, just a lot of political smoke that nobody ever really believed was real. So this indictment is for, if I'm not mistaken, lying to an FBI agent or not disclosing facts or hiding facts. Um, And the statute of limitations was about to expire, which triggered this indictment, would suggest, as you said, the narrative surrounding it is that there is more to come. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right, Tony. I I wouldn't necessarily uh, say that there's more indictments to come, although there will be. Uh, One of the more significant things that Barr did before he left toward the conclusion of the Trump administration was appoint Durham as special counsel. So he'd have the same status uh, as Mueller did uh, investigating uh, the investigation that he did. And the idea behind that is a special counsel gets to write a report at the end, which is technically for the attorney general, but they tend to end up being public. So I think in this instance, um, we we may or may not see more indictments. I, I suspect we'll probably see a few more, but most of what went on here, I think, is in the uh, is in the under the category of kind of sleazy political uh, dirty tricks for which there ought to be accountability rather than things that necessarily violate the federal penal law. And as a result, I think the report may be much more interesting than the charges that get brought. Yeah, interesting. So, Andy, what's the time frame here? Is, is there a, a time in which the special counsel expires and he has to have his report done, or can this go on until he's finished? No, there's no timetable, although, as you pointed out at the beginning, Tony, his hand was forced, in this case, by virtue of the of the statute of limitation, um, which tends to be five years for most federal crimes. So, the reason he had to bring this false statements charge on, I think it was September 19th of this year, was because it was on September 19th of 2016 that the uh, conversation that Sussman had with the FBI took place. So if he hadn't brought the charge, uh, he'd have lost it. Now, there are ways that with, with some charges like conspiracy that you can extend the statute of limitations. But the fact is, at a certain point, things do get stale. Uh, So, you know, I do think he's probably at the end of his criminal investigation, uh, and he'll have to be making decisions about whether uh, to bring charges. And, of course, he's now working for the Biden Justice Department. So the attorney general, Merrick Garland, uh, will be able to say yay or nay on any charges that he wants to bring. It's interesting that Garland didn't stop him from uh, indicting Sussman, who's a pretty prominent Democratic lawyer. So, Andy McCarthy, you're uh, very familiar with this type of stuff. And uh, by the way, you have a, we have your piece posted at uh, TonyPerkins.com. Andy's written a column on this. If you'd like to go a little deeper into it, you can go to TonyPerkins.com and read that uh, article. But, uh, you know, reading between the lines, and as I said, I think it was uh, you, you wrote this, a 27-page narrative surrounding this uh, indictment. What do you anticipate? I mean, I hear this. I'm sure you do. People saying, why is there no justice in what happened here? Will we see justice? Well, it depends on what your definition of justice is. If, if, the, if people's idea of justice is 
will there be a big bells and whistles indictment uh, where everybody who did something wrong starts racketeering or something and, you know, go to federal prison? I guess I think the answer is no. Uh, if the question is, will there be accountability for uh, the Clinton campaign and what happened here in the sense that a historical uh, document will be produced by the special counsel, which will lay out in chapter and verse what happened here, uh, I think that probably will happen. So enough to be a deterrent for this this type of stuff in the future? <laughs> you, Tony, you and I know that the, uh, the Clintons have been at this for, what would you say now, 30 years? So I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen anything deter them to this point. Um, and I, I, my, I, I'm kind of cynical about how much uh, interorum effect there is from this kind of stuff. But I do think yeah. it'll be important to have accountability. Uh, that's a good start. Andy McCarthy, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you, Tony. And again, folks, you can see his uh, article at uh, TonyPerkins.com. And, uh, you know, it is frustrating when we don't see uh, justice or the wheels of justice move so slow. Uh, but that's why we want to, f- when this does happen, we want to remind people, hey, it is happening. The wheels are turning. They're turning slow. Uh, but we will uh, continue to watch this story as it uh, unfolds. And I, again, encourage you to go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And find out more about how you can be a part of the Pray Vote Stand Summit coming up October the 6th through the 8th. Lots of great speakers going to be a part of it. But most importantly, you can be a part of it. Find out how. Go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, which, by the way, was today's daily reading. It's, it's right there. Go look at it. In fact, you can look at my daily devotional at TonyPerkins.com. All right, until next time, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.